Hey, friends, that's right. We're talking about we're talking about sex today. So, if you don't want to talk about sex with Jeff and Stacy, your pals, you probably should skip to another thing where we're talking about uh, food cults or or uh, or, or cults <laughs> or uh, the Tao Te Ching, you know. But today, we've got a treat for you. We are going to talk to you about some insights, really, that Stacy came to as we saw some people fighting at campsites along the way. Uh, but, but in a broader sense, how is it that we may be finding ourselves in a, in a predicament in which American uh, religious people, specifically American Christian evangelicals, committed to a certain ideology about hierarchy might be hurting their own sex lives. And if you follow us all the way to the end, we might have a formula for you to be able to get into a place where you might have mind-blowing sex. It's also about so much more, about deep peace in the world, and you're just going to have to join us to know more about what we're talking about. So glad you're here, though. Let's go. Time by to dive. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons in outfoxing religious wolves. And sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects. So make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes. And then also have some resources handy, such as the crisis text line. That's one of our favorites, which is 741-741. That's 741-741. Now, just take a deep breath because we're not afraid to go deep. But don't worry because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. Hey, Stacy. we are in the Olympic Olympic National Forest. Yes. Right by a beautiful stream. Yes, and there is this gorgeous walk uh, along some of the river there and some, you just get on the rocks and stuff like that as you follow the edge of the river and you go around a bend and it opens into the most beautiful swimming hole. I don't yeah. even know how deep it's it is. It's magical. I don't know. If, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to necessarily try to touch the bottom, but it might yeah. be difficult to touch the bottom. It looks really no, deep. No, I mean, I can get there, but most of this river is something you can cross up to your ankles or knees. I know. And then there's a little swimming spot that yeah. somebody told us about, and it was so wonderful. The dog can come out there, but it's like one of those magical kind of, I don't know, there was a... I think it was a twilight zone where you jumped into the pool and you ended up on another world. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like the yeah. Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe wardrobe. Yeah. It was like that. I, I dove in at about eight at night last night into the... Because the, again, we're in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So it, what? Still it's some sun out. Definitely still got some light out and the I don't shade know, had I come. think it, the sun sets at 9, 9.30ish or something. The Bimbi had so much fun because I dive in and it looks like I went underground. Like most of the time, <laughs> the stream, she can cross herself. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, dad just like disappears into, yes. the, into the water. As I had my eyes open because the water is so clean, 
you could you could see everything and it just was so magical to be able to go into what looked like two feet of water and then just swim way down, you yeah. know, maybe 10, 12 feet. Well, and then when I, when I went in, Bindi even, she wanted to kind of come in after me, like to... To rescue you. Yeah. <laughs> you did <laughs> look like you, it looks scary from my angle too, because the water is so clear. Right. You just see mama getting small. <laughs> <laughs> and it then crazy. it was so cute. Then she came out to me and wanted to swim in. That's her favorite thing. Yeah. I carry her out to the middle of the river or ocean, or wherever then, we are, and then she swims into Mama. Yeah, she swims in. And, and says, right now she's she's smiling, and she's she knows we're talking about her. Yeah, and she's she's having a good time. She just had a, a chicken foot, you know. In, in our in our uh, veganism, she's having uh, and vegetarianism uh, for the summer here. We've not had the greatest food for her at well, the fire pit. We'll say this: not the food that she wants to enjoy right great and it's food not for me yeah it's great food for us <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say but not but not for dogs she has nothing to beg for and right then she'll she'll take uh she'll take some falafel she likes the falafel <laughs> there's a few things she'll go for but uh but what we decided was a lot of it's probably not even good for her for reals and that yeah but you know, she, we put garlic and things like that in and her. then her dry food even though it's not vegan, it's, you know, like duck and quinoa and sweet potato. That one, that one was an expensive bag. And she didn't she, like it too and, much. And there was, a, there was like a product guarantee where I could have taken it back, you know? Nah. Nah. But anyway, so we just kind of like float that one in. And, but that's quality dog it's food. It's quality food. And she's getting, and she also has her, her wet vegan food that she likes, but very unvegan. Her favorite thing is chicken feet, yes. just a raw chicken foot, and she'll chomp on that for about ten minutes, and she's just happy. I think she's gotten she quicker than bone, ten minutes yeah, now. now. She, is. she got her <laughs> the bone first marrow. time figuring it out. <laughs> took but a that, that's longer. a nice way to kind of supplement it out. And and really, we're not trying to be pure in this world. We're not trying to be perfect in this world. We're trying to mitigate harm. We're trying to lessen the cost of our existence to our neighbors, right? So right. you know, it's it's not. I think when we think about our diets, we think about living sustainably and responsibly. It's not about being perfect, but when we are able to cut down on our dependence on certain things that might be taxing to society and the environment, well, we can cut that back. Mm -hmm. And we found some ways to do it. And I think that's that's one of them. And the other added bonus is that, you know, since we are just, you know, obviously out in, we're in the forest. Mm. Uh, our solar panel doesn't get a whole lot of sunshine. In the old growth forest, we are realizing <laughs> this is a, this is a significant challenge. Right. To keeping, just, keeping to be, our solar power. <laughs> to be, yeah, to be boondocking and, and keep yes. our refrigerator going. Yes. Uh, that it, we need to kind of find ways to get some sunshine. And we had to even, you know, rearrange how we have our, our camp set up so we can maximize what little suns that will come through the tree. But if we go out to the river, Perfectly sunny. Totally sunny. So, so we're just going to shut everything down here in the truck after we uh, record. And then we're going to go sit by <laughs> the water with the dog for the rest of the day and, and read and talk. The, but The one added bonus to this campsite <laughs> I've noticed is that um, we don't have the, the couples fighting, you know? Yes. So that's another thing is we've sometimes we've been... We've got a little more privacy. Yeah. Sometimes when we've been to some of these spots, like there was one place in particular, and I guess... I mean, you had a name for it. Where were we? Well, I call it the uh, the the campsite, the cursed campsite, <laughs> or the can uh, the the curse of the of the cul-de-sac. Campsite. And this this was in it's in Oregon below Eugene, uh, and it was another like. But it was developed. It was developed, but it was, but it was very cheap. It was, yeah, ten dollars a night. We're free. Where we're doing what we're right doing now, now is free. free, and you really got to get out here to Except where we're at. Except for you do need a discover pass, discover pass, yes. or discovery pass, or something. Um, 
$30 for the year. Mm-hmm. I think that's more than reasonable. Oh, 100%. For the, for the fire uh, mitigation and, and, and such. But, uh, but you're right. But back there, it was a little more accessible to the general population. Yes. Just to kind of give people right. the uh, scenario. S- same situation, though, right by a river. That's where I was catching my crawdads. Yes. But we had, so the campsite right next to us, it did seem cursed in that. It seemed straight up cursed. <laughs> whoever ended up pulling into that spot, the couple was going to get into a fight. And not just a middle of the road fight. We're talking about a debilitating fight in terms of everybody else being able to have a nice Saturday night at camping. I thought, I thought, like, I, th- I thought the first couple was going to be the worst, but then you think the second couple the was s- worse? Yes, because the first couple, it would start at night. Right, so maybe mm. after a few drinks or something around the definitely campfire. Definitely a, a little booze accent on this one. But they wake up in the morning, and they're, we don't hear them anymore. Correct. The second couple that moved in there after that couple left, the second couple, they fought day and night. Constantly. The whole time. And it was I, mostly uh, the woman was, on that, that one, the yeah. woman was constantly... I don't know, nagging her husband for various things. and I feel like the word nag is sexist in some way, but it, it was exactly what she was doing. It was just kind of this constant... Like whittling away at whatever... At his, yeah, you're a loser, you're terrible, you yeah. didn't get any crawdads, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And what was the, the first lady, though, was actually the, the most intense. Yeah, and that one... So, you know, it, it is interesting. Could you recreate it for us? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will say, though, I do have a deep... A, a deep amount of compassion in this whole situation. For so, whom? <laughs> all, all of the above, beings. actually, yes. because I, I honestly think that there's more things at play here. Um, yes. And I'm sure I mean, the alcohol just did not help anything. But that one was the, um, you're not letting me talk. No. And don't even say my name. If I say, Linda. No, Linda. no, no, don't say my name. Linda. Just, Fine. You just say what you want and I'll listen. I, I will right. listen to whatever you, you say. You can't, right. ha- you can't get a word in. All I right. will listen. I promise. I will listen. If you just give me just, I'll, I'll, I'll whatever, just say it, but Linda. just don't, don't, no, don't say my name first. Don't say my name first. If you know. just say it, no, say it, say, I, I can listen and I will listen. I'm definitely going to listen. I, no, no, no. Wait. But if you say my name, then it's over. Like I just, I, I won't even hear it. Don't say my, don't, anyway, it went on. And every once in a while she would say, you've been saying for the last three hours that you want 30 seconds to talk. I'll give you six minutes. Go. You've got six minutes. And don't and say my name. And, and then like, every time, every time he say, starts no. to talk, <laughs> then she just <laughs> says something else. Or he'd upset. be so exasperated that he didn't know where to go from there. And I looked over to you. I said, Stacy, so do you have any advice here? Like, <laughs> well, what would you do? I mean, well, one of the things is it, obviously it didn't matter what, what he, he said. <laughs> and that was just going to be the story. So maybe perhaps just going to bed or whatever, but. You know, like there's no way he could have won in yes. that situation. No. And the other thing, I, you know, like by the way, we couldn't sleep. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, no. it, like we had to put headphones on. Yeah, I mean, we it went. Was we went really inside intense. our truck, and then we could still hear the whole like uh, the cadence of that and the whole. There thing. was a dude was living like, in his car 
next to us, and he and he just was playing "Sweet Home Alabama" really loud the from whole the radio, time. which had commercials. Yes. And the, the, so he's you know, trying to blast like, them out with the with the rock and roll. Yeah, he first was rock. doing the "Sweet Home Alabama," and then once he got done with that, it was just pure radio loud. And so and I'm we like, were in between both the commercials. Yes, I I love the commercials even over you know hearing over the fighting. The fight. You know, but then we were so overjoyed the next day. We said, you know, let's just sit outside today, and relax <laughs> because that couple's gone. There's no way that they're going to have two couples that are willing to fight out loud at a campsite right next to other people at a and campsite. We were wrong. The, yeah. And they didn't even have alcohol. No, to blame that one point. was not any alcohol related. It was honestly, I felt, um, they remind me, like they just seem very hard on their luck financially. Mm-hmm. And you know how some, some of these people, when they're staying at these campsites, they're also sort of like, not that they are living there, but they're like prolonging the cheapness of their living you know, so yeah, I mean, in a way, like I think right. that they move where they're kind of living, but then they still stay a certain amount in town so that they could, you know, maybe if they have any work or other reasons right. to check in or whatever, but they can live on like the outskirts there. Right. Now, these people weren't going into town, but they definitely seemed, it, it felt not that impoverished. they were well impoverished and that, that they weren't just 100% on vacation, you know. Right. And anyway, so she kept... And that resentment, I mean, that's part of it. The resentment, I think, in both cases. The first couple seemed to be a little bit more affluent on vacation, trying to fix their relationship, and it wasn't going anywhere. It didn't go, yeah. The second one, they were fighting just because he probably didn't have a job, and she was disappointed, and they were disappointed in each other. Right. One of the things about both of those couples is that I think that there is a little bit of... um, premenopausal hormonal stuff going on because you know I've <laughs> where I've that the, the first woman it was so awful but it was a little bit familiar yeah. when I'm like at my time of the month or whatever and it's like it doesn't really matter sometimes like it the hormones are going crazy my body's going nuts and I don't even know what's going on with my body or anything and then it feels like the world, it just doesn't matter. The world is off. <laughs> and I, I struggle sometimes because I, you know, I look into sometimes this research on like the premenopausal stuff and, and what is going on. And honestly, like I haven't had even, I, don't, I haven't had any conversations with hardly with women about mm-hmm. it, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit with my sister, but not much. Like my mom didn't really talk about it. And I know, you know, she had a different situation because she ended up having a, hy- a hysterectomy when, you know, she was younger. So I don't know what, you know, how that kind of came into play. But I there's very little really that has been done on, I think, on what is it that these, you know, that the women are going through. And the premenopausal stuff is harder to figure out because you you kind of know changes are happening to your body. But you're not like there's not like a oh I've stopped my period I'm in menopause that I mm-hmm. have it to attract you know to like attribute it to, it's just right. all the bad things. It's just yeah it's hormones and something's not right, <laughs> you know and and that's kind of you know that's so besides I mean obviously you're saying your mom wouldn't have been able to give you the same anecdotal experience but you you don't generally I, I wouldn't know but you don't generally as women I think at least in your circles spend a lot of time really unpacking the experiences of the various right. and I, phases of life. Not just, you know, you got your time of the month. That's what people right. talk about when you're in te- 
you know, right. teenagers. Or PMS, or, you know, you right, hear about that, that, you know. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on with the endocrine system. Right. And, you know, and the other thing. Like the doctors know what's going on. <laughs> that's what, I, when I've talked to my doctors, it's like, oh, you know, here's maybe, you know, this herbal thing or whatever. I, you know, there's like, there are a couple things that they kind of suggest, but it's almost like, I feel like they haven't really their medical science has not I am really sure done there are a, a few really great ones out there. Go ahead. A ton. And come on on the show. We'd love to talk to an <laughs> of endocrinologist. Course. And if you know and all about what happens with premenopausal stuff, I'm, yes, we would love you menopause, on as yeah. a guest because I, I would love it, more information on this, this stuff. But the general practitioner, not going to always be right on the game with that. This is a, this is a universal issue for human beings. And I think like, but, but even when I've known. looked into like, you know, it just seems so vague, you know, and I guess too, because every individual body, it probably expresses itself in different ways. But I will say that, you know, if you're, because it can start even, I mean, maybe even as early as like your late 30s, but probably more likely sometime in your 40s, it can continue on through your 50s, right? Mm -hmm. And so it can be a lot of years. And if all of a sudden you realize you're not getting along with your with your wife at all mm-hmm. and she's anywhere in those age ranges and she's acting different and hormones mm-hmm. seem to kind of get a little crazier, just consider that as a possibility of, you know, something that is affecting her whole mm-hmm. system. And so I'd love to, you know, maybe find out Total more hypothesis. about that. Yeah. But you know, like my grandma and grandpa uh, on my dad's side got divorced around that kind of uh, pre-menopause. And so many people, so many do. people do. And then, interestingly, like, I don't know exactly where, where that was going to go, but they might have gotten back together had my grandpa not died of cancer. At least he, she talked about that. But I always, always wonder how many people are in that boat where you get through all of life's challenges, the kids are out of the house. Well, that's what I was Then you get all you. of this, you, you, you know, you get all of this panic, well, especially it, as a woman. Like, what's my... What's my 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 value now. Well, I'm not a yeah, mom anymore. So that's the I'm other thing the, too. You yeah. have to come to terms with the fact whether or not you've had babies that that's it. Like you're done with the baby time. And I think our society sometimes, you know, at least in some of the exposure that I've had is that it, you know, those women are a little bit more like, yeah, what is your worth in society? Right. What? And I think, I mean, obviously they have a, a whole lot to offer, but I feel like um, there's that thought like, oh, well, everybody wants, you know, pe- the women to be young and fertile and they can have babies. They mm-hmm. can, you know, and, and that when you get to a certain age, you might just kind of get discarded. And I don't think we often treat even our, our, uh, like the elderly, you know, like as, as good as what we can. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like your productive time in society is, you know, maybe over and you're getting a little pushed off to the side. That's a lot for, you know, when a woman... You know, she's maybe been told that all of like her looks matter and things like yep. that. As she gets older, she might get replaced by, you know, a younger something that, you know, because yep. the dudes can keep, you know, they can keep going and they can play the, the sort of that younger life a little longer yeah. by, you know, finding somebody 10 it's years younger than It's just a biological fact. Yeah. But a woman, she has to really come up with like, now what is my, you know, value and role in society and what do I have to offer? And by the way, when we Will s- my yeah. man still love me? And when we say that it's a biological, when I say that's a biological fact, I'm saying that the reproductive capabilities right. of biological fact go on longer. And therefore, in a world where you've got to find your value in some kind of function instead of your own intrinsic value right. as a human being, then you're in a precarious spot. But, and all of this is going on when you're dealing with this phase of your life and coming to terms with the fact that 
yeah, you're entering into the latter portion of your life. Your kids are graduating from high yeah. school or college, you yeah. know, uh, they're maybe, you know, getting married and moving on or definitely yeah. moving out of the house, you know, yeah. uh, and, and you're like, you know, you're feeling that, you know, that separation. And your body's not feeling great. Right. There's a You're lot. not feeling emotionally upbeat and all of these things that are and, you know, sad and worthy to, to grieve it, over. It's easier to gain a few more pounds, mm-hmm. you know, because everything starts to kind of slow and down And even a at this bit. time, the dude's sex drive is typically going to be attenuating. And so this could be interpreted as nobody loves me. Oh, I'm not attractive. Yeah. And... And for the guy, then all of a sudden, maybe uh, a, a younger chick comes along and I don't want to say a younger person comes along yeah. and maybe hmm, like all of a sudden this sparks my interest, right? Yes. You used, you, you were using chick in the, in the way that you would, uh, you know, you're, you're repeating somebody who cussed on the, on the, uh, I on, know. The, on the campus. I know. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, it was really sad to see. Yeah. Interesting. If, if we, if, if I may. That your cycle lined up absolutely perfectly with the moon, and we wouldn't have really known this had we not been watching the moon every day. So it is interesting if you're in perfect alignment when you're ovulating or or not. Like it's 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 really 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 weird. And I will say that all of that craziness was happening around the full moon, for whatever word that has. It is true. (laughs) You know, I don't know. They say hospitals get a little crazy. They say that, and then I've read that that's not a statistic, but it feels like it is. (laughs) A little more. Craziness. It may be one of those, uh, you know, confirmation bias things where, right. you know, but uh, but regardless, at least in this case, but there was some howling. Yeah. There was a moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing that kind of sort of piqued my interest with sort of observing those couples was, you know, anger and anger in women particularly. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm reading this book called The Dance of Anger. A Woman's Guide to the Changing Patterns of Intimate Relationships by Harriet Lerner. And I think there's some huge value so far in even like what she explains the fact that a lot of times it's the women's lack of empowerment Mm -hmm. that it does come, you know, it comes out in anger, whether or not like sometimes it's some people that might get labeled, you know, like sort of the loud bitch kind of thing. And then there's the other ones that are like the quiet, you know, like they're not going to say much, but they're like both the same kind of things are just different sides of the same coin. And sometimes women, they don't even recognize their own anger because they think of how unacceptable it is for a woman to be angry. And so they try to squish it down. They don't acknowledge it. And then until they you know, either can't and they pop, pop. <laughs> and they blow <laughs> up. And by the time they've like, you know, blown up, they don't even really know, like there'll be certain things that will have so-called triggered that, but it was actually brewing a lot earlier and they may not recognize that it was brewing before they got to that point where it does pop. And anyway, so it kind of, like one of the things is, is that, uh, is that you can't really control the fact that you are going to have these emotions or these feelings. Right. It just, that's a fact. (laughs) You do have these things, but the more that you can sort of recognize that you have it, look at it and then say, okay, this is, you know, this is real. Now, what do I want to do about it? And not just fall into the same 
patterns, the loopiness that you might yeah. get into in the relationships where, you know, this is the part where I get angry, you get anxious and you know what I mean? Like, and it just starts this uh, whole um, cycle and we can't even, yeah. we can't even like stop it. You know, it just, it takes over. So before it gets to the point where it's out of control, then you just say, I'm upset or I'm sad and then say, okay, well then knowing this, maybe even write down you know, or something, what might be bothering you and, and just don't fall into your regular loop and you can stop it and address what might be really going on that you need to have a conversation with, but not in that explosion that then makes the person just seem crazy. Mm -hmm. And whatever caught, whatever like started the argument, they, it's delegitimized at that point often, or that's how it ends up going in the relationship because whatever it, their anger or the unacceptableness of how they responded to it mm-hmm. kicks in and not what the actual cause of the problem is. Around that kind of menopausal era area in a woman's life, I, I find that a lot of relatively famous uh, academic kind of semi-celebrities that I, that I know of, mm-hmm. um, they, they get divorced and the word at the conference or the word on the street is the wife became crazy yeah and she probably did (laughs) in a certain kind of way but i think this takes us to the main point of our of our conversation which is is how these things go wrong and how if 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 these things go wrong you can't have good sex (laughs) yeah i was thinking here you know if they came out to have you know perhaps a good evening or they're by a campfire they're in a beautiful, gorgeous forest, right? right? There's a beautiful river right nearby and definitely these and couples fighting. are not having, they're not, they're not having happy. good sex. They're not, they're not happy having sex, all. period. Right. Now, you know, I, I mean, maybe I would sometimes. argue though, I yep. wonder if they, and I was thinking through this, whether they have ever had good sex. And friends, this is where Stacy kind of turned a light bulb on for me. <laughs> We're thinking how many people from from the way that they talk, h- how many people actually have had real sex? Well, certainly real, like real good sex. I mean, they've uh, had sex. Yes. Um, I mean, they've had they've they've had intercourse. Right. And I, you know, especially. Well, uh, here, let me let me first let me first ask you this, because. Yeah. I mean, you wrote a book. <laughs> you yeah. wrote a book called Sexy. Right. It's yes. not like your main thing hadn't you know up until then you weren't really ever talking too much like you know in your classes you weren't responsible for a class on relationships no i had a class uh, that i did on philosophical ethics so i'm kind of looking at the history of ethics and one of the big questions that comes up for a lot of church-related kids Mm -hmm. and that was you know what i'm doing i'm teaching at this uh the church-related college university and so whatever the question is it tends to go towards sexual ethics Right. So if it was utilitarianism, you say, well, who's harmed if I if I'm promiscuous or right. if it's deontology, can I break my wedding vow ever under any circumstances? If it's virtue theory and so forth, how, how do we live our lives out in, in, in sexual integrity? So um, it, it, it was for me, this book, Sexy, the Quest for Erotic Virtue in Perplexing Times, wasn't really about sex. It was for me an analysis of the collapse of the Christian mythos and narrative for a lot of young people. And how so? Well, um, it just wasn't working. So the, 
the 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 teachings that they got, uh, these these traditional ancient teachings weren't working for the world that they knew today. Gotcha. It just it didn't it wasn't that it didn't work because it was hard. It just didn't even map onto it. It didn't make sense. Kind of like one of the the, the moments that I realized this was, I was asking you know. About like who's you know who's planning on getting married or whatever. So yeah, there. at Concordia in the past in the '90s especially, but even a little bit later, you know the the whole thing is you know you get a ring by spring, right? Mm. That was why are people, you going? Are why are you going to, to college? Going to get married? Going to get a ring by spring? So you knowing that, then I think you asked your class. I remember yeah. you saying a this. A lot of the kids were not planning on getting so married, and their therefore they said it's not premarital sex if you don't plan on getting married. And I realized all of the conversation that the churches and the Sunday schools and the youth groups were having back in the day, they weren't really connecting up. And secondly, I realized that so too few people in my world of any age expressed to me that they were incredibly happy in their relationship and that they had a great sex life. And I thought that this was not, you know, there's biological, environmental, psychological factors, but I I had this idea that in many ways it was a, an ethical factor. Right. By which, but by which I mean, um, from the perspective of virtue theory, uh, virtue theory is a type of ethics that, transformation of who you are, transformation of the heart is what's going to affect your, your daily habits, right? right. So, you, you know, you're, you're not interested so much in the rules. You're interested in the character of a person who's going to be able to apply that character consistently through various relationships and situations in life. When I did this, when I was researching for this book on ethics and various traditions, I was looking at Søren Kierkegaard, who I used uh, quite extensively in the book, um, but I came across the Tao Te Ching, and that's where our kind of connection to this idea that the Tao Te Ching can help us understand a way to connect mysticism, by which we mean not some kind of weird woo-woo, but um, kind of a spiritual recognition of our of our oneness with the world, our interconnection with other human beings, that mutuality. Mm-hmm. Which I think, in the in the following, uh, in, in the way of following Jesus, leads to love, which is not necessarily going to lead to love. It's certainly going to use uh, to lead to the the importance of mutual cooperation and aid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you want to think of it in purely secular psychological terms, but I certainly thought that if we understand that we love all human beings intrinsically and unconditionally, Mm -hmm. that's also going to have an effect on my sexual life, my relationship with my partner, right? Right. Or partners, depending, right? Right. And, um, right. Well, cause it's not, cause it's not just, it's not just about you getting an orgasm. (laughs) I mean, that's when, you know, if you're having sex, right. There's something spiritual to it. If I can use that term. Yes. And there's something about when the two, when two people, uh, come together and it's, I I guess so many times when I've heard people talk about sex, it sounds selfish. It sounds like I am looking for a way for me to get off. Right. Right. And I'm realizing like on on, on men and women, like it's almost like as if that was, that's the goal or something. Right. And I'm like, and sometimes maybe that's the goal. And it's like, that's, you know, you get the mutual understanding, but, but there, there's that's a, not great if, sex. if that's the only sex that you're having, you're right. missing out on a whole nother level and, and 
magic, <laughs> I yeah. guess you could say. Right. And I, it's, you know, we're always around youth, right? And we've yeah. all these years and stuff. And we've been like, again, with, through many different denominations. We've been to different colleges. We've heard many, many people talk to young people about sex. Yes. All over the map. And I've been, because of the book, I've been at like conference opportunities and speaking in groups. Right. And, and, and with this being the subject, right? Right. And so I'm sitting here and I'm always listening to these various people. And I would say like a majority of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> a very large majority of them, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, there's a piece of this that they don't even understand. And they don't know that they don't know. They, Right. They don't know that they don't know, but they don't because the way that they are talking about sex, there's another magical piece that they are completely missing out on. Yes. And I don't, you know, it, it's like, I, I can just tell, you know, like, ugh. and, and it's Hey, sad. listener, I'm sorry if you're mad at us, but from our perspective, this is not some little hunch we have. Right. We may be totally wrong about all sorts of things, but- I am absolutely convinced that you're right, that I don't know a ton of people. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Especially these speakers. And the reason that I feel like I, I can tell the difference is I know in my own life, in my own journey, like, <laughs> I know it sounds weird, it's silly to say journey, but whatever, my own path. It's a perfectly good word, <laughs> bachelorette <Yeah>. stolen. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's terrible. Anyway, without being blamed, but um, but yeah, as I'm as I'm living my life and I am um, you know, coming to a, a deeper understanding of myself, mm-hmm. that that has even um, our sex life has improved. Yeah, and I know the difference of like when I was like too shy or uncomfortable. Um, even with my own body, right? <laughs> you know, that I know that I got a lot of baggage from some of the stuff from church and sometimes mm-hmm. body shaming, you know, yeah. has come into play even in with my background, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I'm, you know, I wasn't comfortable with my own body. I couldn't certainly be comfortable with what my own needs were or, or even really, n- I mean, I know that, okay, this feels good, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what I was missing out on until I became more comfortable with myself and, and and really was no difference even for you. I think this was like, you were all, you know, I think um, you were always encouraging me to try to, you know, express myself and be more comfortable. It was, yes. it was literally my own self and, that and, wasn't. And yourself and, and your self doubt. Yes. Interfered. Was, yeah, interfered with my ability to enjoy our sexual lives because in approaching sex, Sometimes you would feel fear Mm -hmm. and therefore you would act out in anger. And I I couldn't, like over the years, I never could quite figure it out. I felt like we were having a great time. We were getting romantic. And then it felt like I I would say to you, you sabotaged it before we could have a good night of sex. Like you sabotaged, everything was going well, but then you sabotaged it right before, you know, maybe we'd go to the bedroom. And I'm wondering, you know, like, what was that? And I think it has to do with that fear Lack of feeling empowered in, or in just, life. Or, and just like, you know, just like I said, I, there was a lot of, you know, I've had to unlearn a lot of body shaming and right. being comfortable with my, you know, with myself right. and like even just, you know, my belly didn't go a hundred percent back, you know, after my two babies. Right. And right. like be comfortable with, with that, you know, right. um, and, and, 
and actually recognize like that actually is a, a part of the beautiful story of having children, you know, right. and it's not something that, you know, of course I could always do a few more sit-ups, but I actually do think that some of the mu- muscles have separated and it's just a fact of life that it's right. even if I did all the, the, you know, tummy right. crunches I wanted, it will, right. it won't be like what it was when I was young. You're eating healthy, you're doing yoga, right. but that's not, that's not going to do anything about that. And so when I had, Come to the point where. I was By the like, way, Queen, Queen Nefertiti uh, and Akhenaten they had tum tums. They oh. used to think that was sexy in uh, Akhenaten's Egypt. Side well, issue. also maybe a sign that you're not starving as well, right? It also and might be a sign they had healthy. some weird genetic problem. But anyway, side issue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that. So I, I kind of had this like I was, I was looking in my own life and I was thinking, you know what? The only good sex is with equals. The only good sex is with equal. And as soon as you said that, I realized that you solved a problem for me. Mm. And that is, I kind of hinted at my uh, my goal, which is never a good thing. I I always overpromise and underdeliver on uh, projects, at least in terms of timing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I Mm -hmm. I change my mind so often. You know, like we finished basically we finished two books in the last two years. Yeah, we're just sitting on them because we're we're going we go back over it and we go oh now I have this big understand we get a new book in the case of uh, uh, Taoist um, anarchy and anarchy in the in the Tao Te Ching. So now I want to go back over that and do it right, again. And, right. Or I have, you know, I, I'm surprised I ever got that that sexy book published because I disagree with some stuff and I, I wish I would have put the HPV vaccine <laughs> thing in and I made a, maybe I think overstated the case against um, all forms of uh, all forms of pornography in a certain case. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really want to talk about it now. I'm just saying people have People uh, have said, oh, I think you maybe overplayed this. There's a, there's a lot out there. There's a little controversy side issue, but there's a little controversy about um, the way we think about sex workers, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you kind of demean and demonize and, and really say, like, this is hyper hyper sinful thing about being a stripper or something like that, um, that that's not good. And I understand that. Right. I'm, I'm more interested in the problem in the kind of conservative evangelical man soul where they, in my experience, have been really very comfortable with going to strip clubs. Like yeah. s- since I went, since my, when I was 19, I was always shocked. I was 19. I went to a Christian college and all the pastor's kids and stuff, they said, hey, well, let's go to a strip club. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't want to go to a strip club because I'm going to try to convince these ladies to get into an English degree or something. Like that's been, you know, kind of a thing. And I, um, I, uh, it, it, it's been evangelicals and, and even at one point a pastor that like kind of like really wanted me to go with them to, to like, vi- like to a, to a strip club. Anyway, I don't know him well enough. So, but I might've pulled back from that on the book. My point is it's so hard to write something on these kind of sensitive topics and then it's out there. You can't take it back really. Yeah. But well, well, case, it also reminds yeah. me of how we've, you know, where like we've talked to musicians where yeah. like I write a song and then they kind of like are, always stuck with having, if it's a, if it's a, cr- a crowd favorite, right? right. <laughs> They're going to have to keep feeling. singing that song over and over again. Yeah. And a lot of times even, you know, with authors and stuff like that, but as the book is like coming out, mm. they're so tired of it. <laughs> you I, know? Yeah. And it seems new, right. but you're, you've poured so much into it for so long that you're just, you're kind of over right. it. Right. And so uh-huh. musicians can get stuck, you know, singing about their sad times, even when they're not feeling sad at the moment right. and kind of getting tired of that sentiment, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So, so that's why I said, hey, I've got to be very careful about how I address, like I was thinking of a second volume, the, a follow-up volume, sexy being primarily for that cisgendered, heterosexual, boy meets girl, standard thing, struggles, you know, just typical, whatever that means, a mainstream 1950s American couple, and what do we do with that now? Not for any other reason than to say, I didn't have enough space, I was already too long, to cover everything. And so my intention at the time was to come back and do a follow-up volume called Kinky, where I dealt with LGBTQ issues with the church and state and public policy and all this. And I had, a, I thought I had a, you know, maybe some interesting nuanced things to say, mm-hmm. but I wanted to make sure I got the, um, I got people to understand where I was coming from before I, before I really poked some, some sensitive Right. You know, buttons, right. you know, in the American Christian church. Um, and yet I didn't have, I didn't have the, the kind of central theme, mm-hmm. you know, for, for sexy, the central theme was, you know, if you get your heart in the right place, your, your wiener is going to follow. <laughs> well, your genitals. Will right, right, right. But I mean, right, Mike, that, that was the kind of the thought that I had when like, oh, it's like everybody's saying, where can I put this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what can I touch? What can I not touch? What am I right. allowed to and do? And I said, focusing that's on all the wrong, things. wrong question. You guys said, what's, where's my heart? If you love other people unconditionally, if every person you meet, you want their best, right. it's going to change your you're sexual ethic. You're not going to put them in a compromising right. situation. You're not going to coerce you know? them. You're not going to make them feel uncomfortable. You're not going to use them. So like, so basically to me is there was this key spiritual light bulb that has to go on and then all your sexual ethics fall into place. But I didn't have a way of kind of really like helping people understand what to think about when it comes to sexual ethics in these emerging other areas. And I say emerging, these are ancient as time as human beings, but for the Christian community in America, for American evangelicals to deal with LGBTQ um, uh, sexual ethics within the conversation about faith and sexual ethics is really difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think that your... So then, then I thought, well, this is great because now you've just now you've got the second book. I'm not going to touch it, <laughs> uh, but only but it, it it could be just the first and last page. And so I actually drew it out of this journal here, Stacy's Stacy's follow up book. The only good sex is with equals, right? With one footnote, I wanted you know, like one footnote. <laughs> this can be done with kink, but what I mean by this can be done with kink is, and I think this actually helps people understand this. Um. And let's unpack this because I think it's the key right. to everything. Right. It's not that in, let's say, um, in a sexual relationship that sometimes people take on a more yang role and some people take on a more yin role. Yeah, you can play. Right? There's play. There's, there's, there's a dance play. that comes into There's people sex, that enjoy right? being submissive. Right. And that's not excluded from this. Right. But, it's, but what would you say to that, Stacey? Like, if somebody well, says, I, I like being submissive in my, in my sexual relationship, that's my kink. Yeah. Well, then, obviously, I think what, what, what's super important is to have an understanding with your partner of what are the boundaries here, right? Yeah. So here's, I'm, you know, this is some things I want to explore, but this, you know, this is definitely not safe. I don't want to go here. And it's very clear, and you clearly spell it out. And then you play within the parameters of what yeah. that the you know what you both want to play together in that situation. You know, and that and that su- and that submission. So ev- it's it's coming from a yep. place of being equal with each other, knowing that I am going to, for the sake of this play, yes. I'm going to 
go into this role. If right? there are people, if there are people that say, Hey, you know, like we're, this is our King. I'm, I'm submissive in this relationship. I'm a lot less worried about them mm-hmm. than conservative Christian friends who say, well, I only have to worry about the needs of my husband because that's what God appointed that's, me to. Okay, I'm that's really what, worried about that one. Right. And that's what I'm, that's what I was going to say is like, I could, that ain't I, sexy. That ain't kinky. And I could not imagine that there's any great sex is not going to come from that line of thinking. It just isn't the way to engage fully in that sexual, uh, you know, relationship with your partner is knowing that you're, you know, in this together. Right. And you can be vulnerable, right? You are loved. You're loving it. You can let go of all that transaction and that fear. Right. Now, if you, if you think just let yourself go, you're only, the only piece of it is to make sure that your partner is happy. Okay. Yes. Then you're never going to be able to let go and then just play. It will always be in your head kind of situation. Uh, You know, does this feel good for them? And you definitely do want to, you know, be mindful of, obviously the whole point of it is to care about what your partner wants as well. You know, like, well, it's not the whole point of it. It's it's, well, what I'm, I'm saying the whole play of it, but what I'm trying to say is if that is your only, if that's like what your mindset is when you're going into it, Mm -hmm. it, it can never be, uh, Enjoyable. Well, well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be that, that, I don't know, that extra little bit that you need in order to really like have the magical time with each other. In a certain sense, I would say it, like you can have intercourse, but to have great sex, to have good sex is like, it's either all or nothing in that sense. That equality is like when the wires can connect and the electricity yes. can flow through. Yes. Like where you become like, yes. like one person. Yes. The, the, the black dot within the white swirl and the white swirl within the black, or the white dot, the black right. swirl, that yin and yang tai chi symbol is and a, I a way of thinking about it. It goes both ways, by the way. Like right. if in a relationship, then the male thinks he's less than the woman. Right. Same thing. He's not yeah. that. What the, what the couple can achieve together will be hindered. So if the man feels that he is not holding up his manly side of the family, maybe he's underemployed, unemployed, maybe he's not tough enough with the father-in-law and and holding his ground, maybe he's too effeminate in his mannerisms, whatever it is, where the the man, and I'm saying that we're just sticking again here with the male-female, heterosexual, cisgender couple. If the dude in traditional American Christianity feels disempowered at work, this hinders the sexuality because then there's, they're not seeing each other as equals. He's now like a bum. If when he comes home to that relationship, if that's how he's being, they ain't no Viagra, they ain't no Androgel to fix that. Right. You have to, you have to deal with what that is first and then, then good sex can follow (laughs) on the other hand. And this is the thing why I said, this is the, this is the only, it's a one page book. The only good sex is with equals footnote. This can be done with kink is that, um, it takes, it takes us to a place where whatever you think your religion says about, uh, let's say being gay, lesbian, bisexual in a relationship, Mm -hmm. polyamory, most of you listening, if you're from a, any kind of traditional Christian, maybe Muslim, even Buddhist background, a lot of those things are off the table in terms of the way you read your, your texts, 
right? You say, well, I'm not allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's just set that aside. I'm not, we're not going to comment on you have your religious views, dear listener, and, and you can have those. But I'm simply saying that Stacy's Stacy's hypothesis or Stacy's like thesis here, I think, is really important because what it says to me is that whatever you think about what the the proper marriage or family unit should be, I think from this perspective, most evangelical Christian couples. This is my my follow up hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Most evangelical Christian hu- couples cannot possibly have be having good sex. And that many, there, there could be polyamorous atheist couples that are if they have the egalitarianism. So I want you, dear listener, if you're a conservative Christian with conservative Christian ethics or Muslim with conservative sexual ethics, great. Stick with me, though. Stick with the thought experiment just for a moment. I'm almost guaranteeing that if you have a man and a woman in a relationship and the woman is not even close to being equal, and if she's told that that is her role given by God to basically be a secondary citizen a, a, at the bottom of the hierarchy within the family. She can't be having good sex. And therefore, she, all the godless Gentiles that you think are, are living these terrible lives, they may have something that you don't have, which is good sex, in the deepest way. Now, you could say, well, their lives are an abomination, all this stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But right now, I want you to just get into your minds that when I, and what I'm saying is I believe that most conservative American Christians are not having good sex. And they're not having good sex because of the way they think their theology is pointing them into a non-egalitarian role. If you can't be equals in the deep spiritual way, if you can't be equals, you can't be having good sex. If your theology tells you you can't be equals, right? then you are prohibited from having good sex. And the only people that are having good sex in those evangelical world, if you, in those, those settings, either had an epiphany about rethinking that theological hierarchy, mm-hmm. or they're just doing it because it's just intuitively right. Right, so there are people that are intuitively egalitarian and and mutual and respectful in their relationships, even if they would answer on a multiple choice question right. that the only good relationship is where the man is the the spiritual head of the home and the wife is subservient. Right, but they live in a good way. They can maybe have that. Well, um, yeah, I mean, part of what I'm seeing is is like if you you know you sit down maybe as a couple or you know whoever your partner is, and y- you can divide up the roles of who takes care of what, right? Yeah. But if you come together and willfully make a decision about that as right. equal partners. I want you so, to figure out the map. <laughs> and then, you know, you're you're going to drive and pump the gas because right. that just works better in our relationship, right? right? But right. we each have our own our own role. So sometimes they're manly and feminine things by, by standards of society, but not always. Well, right? and the other thing is, is what if, what if some of, you know, like what what you like in sexual play, you'll be afraid to tell your partner. Yes. Like then you'll never like get to have that experience because of what I'm that afraid. is to play together. I'm not open. And I'm not vulnerable. Here's like, you know, you mentioned like people can play the role of submissive. So in that same sense, like if you're coming together as an equal, you can determine what your roles are. Right. And make that work for whatever that is working for the couple. And and part of where I got this though with, with that kind of thinking. You mentioned the strip clubs, right? Yeah. And you, you know, you, for me, I've always thought of it as like how sad for these women that are in these positions, right? 
and they're, you know, undressing for money or whatever. And, you know, and this is how they think that they've got to make a living. And then, you know, then obviously when (laughs) is, there's like sometimes the women that say, no, I actually enjoy this and this is what I want. And I'm like, well, how could that must be tainted as well? Because there must be something, you know, you're you're getting onto the thing (laughs) about the book that I was, I'm pulling back from because I realized, yeah, sometimes people are finding their empowerment. We saw this, I did actually include this in the book where we went to a music festival and there was a burlesque show and realized, Oh, and that's what I think a lot of with the burlesque situation is all about because it's, women that are, or people that are, are choosing to take on this role and that it's a hundred percent willfully done and they enjoy, you know, putting on the show for other people or whatever. And so I, I I can understand then how I had, you know, it's not my thing, (laughs) you know, um, but that I can see how if it's not, it doesn't have the same like ickiness to me if it's if it's not degrading if it's not degrading and if it's coming from a place of empowerment yeah but, but yeah so and whether or not like i said I, you know sorry i'm finishing all these sentences <laughs> but i'm just i'm tracking with you i'm seeing it in your eyes yeah the other day we found ourselves at a at a dog friendly beach in uh, somewhere in the pacific northwest and i noticed that this was a clothing this was a clothing optional beach mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me as interesting about this um, is, it's some, and sometimes it was a little uncomfortable. There seemed there were like you know those like dudes that would kind of walk up and down the beach, and they they'd be a little bit um, uh, they'd, they'd be coming and going kind of quite often. Like I don't know if they were more exhibitionist, but generally speaking, it was really interesting because I don't think you would see it the same way in California. People of all body types were just kind of hanging out and not uncomfortable about their bodies and they were like flying kites and happy and having fun. It was, it was a definitely something you would not see in, uh, in, uh, like Newport beach. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, no, maybe no. they, maybe it got down there, but, um, but what I, but I really, but it's also different from when we've seen, um, you know, some of the, the topless beaches in Miami. Yeah. Like in Miami, everyone's kind of showing off. No, this was just people being free and being in a river in nature, or whatever. And, you know, it's like, we, we see this a lot at, um, you say the same thing at uh, clothing optional uh, uh, hot, hot springs. Almost all the hot springs are clothing optional. And that's not like everybody's naked, but every once in a while you see an old hippie couple naked. You're like, all right, there you go. But what's interesting about it is for Southern California kids, it's so foreign and so uncomfortable, not because it's nudity, but because it's like, where did these people come off just being out in the open without having like model bodies? And I realized... That was something that we internalized. Yeah. Even in our own, like, home. Right. By our, just ourselves. Like, there are people who are less afraid to be vulnerable and naked out in nature. Right. In hot springs and some rivers, you know, near, uh, near, or in Oregon. Um, then we were to be naked in front of each other, say 10 years ago in our own house. Right. Right. And that is something that is so deeply ingrained into so many of us. And I think it has to do with a world where there's not that intrinsic value for Mm, people. mm -hmm. Like if you don't, if you don't feel like you have that intrinsic value and that mutuality and that, and, and that respect one for another, you don't even like have to necessarily be like, 
deeply committed for this particular aspect of it. It's just simply if somebody is just being used in this relationship right. for gratification, that doesn't that's not fun. And you you know definitely not going to have great sex, I'll say that much. I, sure. I had a couple questions that came up from that. Like when you were when you were talking about this idea that the only good sex is with equals. Um and, and one of one of them is um do you think that that this egalitarianism is possible since we all don't have like the same levels of everything, right? Like, so some people like oh, in the partner, it's a, it's one person makes more money. It's a completely different issue right? than that. It's yeah. possible that somebody makes more money. Somebody's right. conventionally more better looking. Somebody's stronger. Some, like, all There's somebody things. that maybe might even gravitate towards doing the cooking and cleaning right. and somebody else that, you know, is, yeah. So all what do you roles. mean by equals? Like, cause like, how do we be equal? It's, I will say, I mean, it's, it's, it's more than just a mental state, but it actually is. Are you an, an equal partner in this relationship? Mm-hmm. Are, are you valued just the same right. by each other? Right. And that it's, I mean, of course you, you know, it's, you, I would say, you know, you want to be mindful and even put your partner first or whatever it's but it's different mm. than all of that it's 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 a mindset yes am i am i the person that's on top here and this person is beneath me a little bit you know yeah. how <laughs> so when there was times when we were younger we would sometimes say like huh like you know how you look around and you would say like maybe this person could have done better <laughs> yeah <laughs> as right, a partner right. and like which one you know, sometimes like, oh i wonder you know you know, which one I am, you know, right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, that's the thing. We, I think uh, that, that came to my mind if we say this. We say the only good sex is with the equals. I think a lot of people, as they think about this, are instantly going to go to a dark place and say, um, man, like, I'm very sad because either I'm not equal to my partner, which makes me feel crappy and mm-hmm. I can't ever help them have good sex, or I'm with a partner that's, that's a loser and I can never be happy right? because I don't feel like we're equals. I don't necessarily know what to do with that. Well, I would say perhaps professional counseling or something right. like that, that can, somebody that can help, you know, tease out all of those, right. you know, things in your relationship. If it, if it isn't, if you're not able to have that open conversation with each other and kind of get to the bottom of some of it, it often is really is helpful to have a third party, right. somebody that can kind of, you know, see the bigger picture without, um, you know, being a part of the drama. Yeah. Because <laughs> often relationships, they get in cycles, they get into loops and there's like, there's like whole, like this whole dance that you do, this right. person, you know, and like your fights, a lot of times your fights are the same and yeah. sometimes about the same kind of thing, just maybe yeah. a little different aspect of it. Right? right. And we fall into how we relate to one another and it sometimes can have very unhealthy patterns. And Again, recognizing those unhealthy patterns and, and, and stopping them. And at first it was just like recognize that they exist. Right. And guess what? It takes two to play that same exact game. <laughs> you know, right. as soon as one partner can stop and say, wait, I'm not going to go down, you know, that road. Right. Let's put a little spin on this and take this a little different direction. That's a very healthy way. But I would say, yeah, you might need to get professional help yes. to work through that. Or spiritual enlightenment such that you uh, stand aside from your ego and you recognize the true self of all human beings are equal. So it doesn't have to be that somebody has recognized their equalness. Right. In that, they may be your partner, 
may be dejected, have self-doubts, not feel equal, feel less than, all those things. That's not necessarily a barrier to this. It's the idea that at a fundamental level, we are beautiful star, star beams, well, <laughs> you know, and that, that, that maybe we've not polished that up on the outside. Maybe there's, there's these different ways in which people are kind of down on their luck. But, but, but at a fundamental level, if you're even sizing each other up in that way, right. then you still don't get it. Right. You got to release all that. Like you are who you are. Like, you know what I'm saying? One of us is more fit than the other. So what? That's right. what we're not talking about that. We're saying... We're, we're going to have different strengths and weaknesses. What, yes. And so seeing each other at a fundamental level as having intrinsic value and that unconditional love, non-transactional is where it's at. But the, again, the problem is that many American religious people, specifically Christians, I know there's other religions I can't speak to as well from the inside, but that they say fundamentally that they're not equal. Fundamentally, you're not equal. Right. And if you're fundamentally not equal, then you can never fundamentally feel like you're not being coerced. Right. right? So we say, for instance, when we talk about equals, this is why pastors should not be having sexual relationships with people that they're counseling in their congregation simply because... Anytime you're in a professional that's role, that's that role. You know, psychologists, I would doctors, also, lawyers, teachers. I would say, even if it's legal, that's that's creepy because of people's vulnerabilities. Um, yeah, definitely, that needs to. <laughs> you yes, know, you, you need to make sure that you're not going to ever like fall right. into that. And you could say, oh, she's so but young, w- she's so old for her age, and we are equals in my mind. Like, yes, but but that can also be a dangerous way to say, you know, like, oh, well, we consider ourselves equals. Right. But this is my grad student or something. I'm right. like, maybe. That relationship, it was already formed without this feeling of equality. And right. so I, that is unfortunately kind of, right. you know, where that relationship is right. now. I don't know if you can grow past that. You know, I bet that that's possible, but definitely it had its beginnings mm-hmm. <laughs> in an unequal situation. I, I would also say, you know, it's interesting because when the way we even position our churches and we put the pastor up on the front yes. and sometimes even higher, higher. almost always higher, right? And unless you're in one of those cool, like mega church stadium seating things, <laughs> and then he's down at the bottom. Like yeah, that's Bono. true. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, but still dead center, right? Or something yes. and, oh, yeah. and walking star around. Of the show. So star of the show. And, you know, I think that, you know, the, the pastor definitely has a role, but there's a tendency, I think, for, you know, some of the people to say, well, this person has, you know, their prayers are going to work better. They're the rock star. <laughs> because they have a, you know, a, a stronger connection. Have you ever been to like a family dinner? And it's like, oh, so-and-so should should uh, should pray. Well, they, in the Lutheran world, they always like think that like that's actually what you're supposed to do. Depends on your church tradition. Sometimes like the... the and I don't. there's a certain respect that comes, you know, and obviously this is well, I'm not saying whether it's role. right or wrong. I'm this, just saying there's some traditions role, where right? it's not just sometimes, it's always. But I will say... By the way, hey, Lutheran pastors, we love you guys. We love you. Check yeah, yeah, out. yeah. And then this wait, is the wait, thing. Wait, wait. No, no, I just want to just one, one okay. footnote. And then, then they do the common table prayer, which we never grew up with. It's like, a, you know, what, what is like, uh, do you know that one that they do? I, it's like we've I, done it every I, at, at Lutheran, I can, Lutheran I can camps. Sing, I can go along with it. Anyway, once there's it like starts, a memorized prayer. I, yeah, that's a, anyway. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they punt like you, you hand it. You hand it to the pastor that he punts. Yes, yes, and I, or she. I, I think I would. But usually when you got a she well, pastor, if it's, if it's all CMS, it's definitely he. So that's right. Um. But I, I will say that I have 
I have even, you know, been around a lot of pastors and stuff. And sometimes like when like even, you know, family members and sometimes there's like a difference, like all of a sudden, um, when a pastor can <sighs> take that deep breath, right? Yeah. When they think and, that we're like just pals, not like right. on stage. And I see like, that's a lot that is on, you know, sort of on the pastor to yes. like keep up this, you know, this yes. role, this, you know, that I am, this, you know, I have this closeness with God and therefore maybe I don't ever have a beer depending on your tradition, you yeah. know, but then you, you don't let your congregation know, but then you do on the side when you're finally hanging yeah. out at home kind of yeah. thing. And I will say that it's unfortunately sometimes these pedestals mm-hmm. that we put people on that make it almost impossible for them to be able to, uh, uphold, you yeah. know, and that puts yeah. a lot of pressure on them. We've basically organized our churches in such a way that we, you know, there is that, that glory piece. There is like a, like a, the, 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 even using the, you know, King language and things yes. like that. Right. And so it becomes yes. more like, like a King at the, the front it's and all the, the subjects, of being. all the subjects are underneath. Right. It's the hierarchy. The hierarchy. We had to pause for a second because uh, we were in this idyllic, quiet little space, but our, our friends th- that rolled in, um, and I, and I think if I don't mind, can I, can I yeah. transition to these guys? So we've got a, there's one guy next to us who's been down on his luck. He got blasted out of his house. His house burned down in the fires in central California. And then he was on his way. Well, he says he's got some time. He's got his trailer. So he left the burned out house and he's going to go stay in some national uh, forests for a while until his, uh, until his welfare runs out. And he's going to, you know, figure out his new life. You know, he's going to yeah. figure out what happened. Like everywhere he was, well, he burned out. Yeah. He, there was a couple different places he he's been to and he had to. Oh, and he, and he caters for, uh, he caters for uh, uh, festivals. Right. So and all the festivals with COVID and everything. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so he rolls in and he's got an American flag, but he wanted to make it very clear because apparently he knew that we were hippie-ish <laughs> from something that I was wearing or something. No, like my hair or something. Um, I'm just, you know what I'm saying. Um, he, he knew that we or, you know, whatever kind of groovers we are. And so you want to make it very clear. Um, and, and he also has like a little bit of a tie-dye, you know, tapestry. Yes. To, you know, so he's got the flag and the tie-dye tapestry. American flag, just a regular American flag with, you know, none of the other crazy colors these yeah. days. And then he's got, yeah, the tie-dyed, you know, sort of blanket type things. Yeah. So he kind of takes... A, offering a perimeter, yes. you know, to sort of like set the stage of what his home is. But friends, if you haven't been camping, this is a really important question. Like you talk politics in a sense right when you arrive at a campsite. Right. Who are my neighbors? What kind of car are you driving? Right. What kind of car? What do sort they of have stickers a, a, might be on there? A Blue Lives Matter flag on? Right. Do they, what, what, what's going on? And and so our friend here, since he's he's kind of dialing in, he's been very helpful with some some insights for things. But he on our solar panel uh, on the so. solar panel. But he was dialing it in here. But he, he is. I told him about Lord and Pebbles, our our gurus uh, of the road life from from before, and exchange from information. But but he's doing it, and that is he's got the American flag so that people don't think he's a hippie and then want to mess with them. He's got the hippie vibe tapestry so that the hippies he's like, don't. He's chill. So and he's he, not gonna... But he made it very clear. Hey, listen, like I'm against Nazis. I'm against fascists. I'm not a Trumpist. I love America. And he was like this one, this dude is like kind of apologizing for having his American flag out during 4th of July <laughs> week. Right. And the, you know, it is, it is, 
it is sad that here, you know, he ha- he feels like he has to apologize. You yeah. Know, for and and you know what? Maybe you know we could talk about what maybe maybe we should apologize corporately as a nation. But like then this other guy comes in and he's got an American uh, map, like it's in a map of the American flag, and it says "f off." Says it the whole the whole bad word says "f off." We're full. Yeah. So my only my only assumption is that this is a nativist kind of thing, by which I mean, you know, kind of white nationalist. We're full. We don't need any more immigrants and so forth. Right. Yeah. Now, why do I bring this up? Because there is this sense in which even as they're rolling in and they're firing up the truck, like, I don't know if they leave. They're looking at our uh, our camper is uh, is it's bigger than their camper. <laughs> yeah. And my truck is more badass than their truck. Mm-hmm. Now, I only say that because it, it's a fact in terms of just the horsepower and the size of the chassis and all that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, we've got a bathroom and they don't. He backs in with his lady, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I can tell because we can see through our 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 glass, mm-hmm. you know, the the tinted window, that they're in the world of hierarchy. Yeah, both of them are sizing up us to see who they are. Mm-hmm. This is not good for your sex life, friend. Okay, just go with me, right? hundred <laughs> percent. So the the first thing he thinks is I'm he's he's got a few points weakened because his truck is smaller and he has to look at his lady and say, My truck's smaller. Am I worth it? Am mm-hmm. I worth what I get? Like what do I get in this transaction? And what do I bring to the table in the transaction? And then you were looking delightful. You came up from the river and you had your tree of life little uh, necklace on and your hair was just so beautiful in the sun because you got, uh, you know, you got your your silver streaks going through, but your darker hair because you've been in the sun is kind of moving into like a little more of a blondish. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of in the sunlight that was coming through this old growth forest. You just looked hot. Thank you. Thank you. The lady across the street, good looking lady. Okay. Conventional Mm -hmm. standards. No one's going to deny this. Younger than us. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, I mean, did you, did you see? I, didn't, I did not notice her looking at attractive me. Attractive woman. No, no, I'm saying you saw who she, I she saw is. Her, like, yes. So she could, you know, she, people would say she's attractive conventionally. Mm-hmm. She's not, not attractive, conventionally attractive and young. She looks at you, disappointed in herself. Hmm. She's dressed up. You're wearing the same clothes you've worn for three days or whatever, you know, and she's feeling insecure. Both of them are feeling insecure. They've got this thing that says, I'm better than immigrants, basically, to mm-hmm. me. They're living in this world of hierarchy. And it's sad. And I, I say that the, it's those kinds of things that make it so that, like, women or people cannot be friends, right? Right. When, or it's difficult in that world. Right. Or Well, probably impossible. Just like good sex is impossible if, if in the she, world if, of hierarchy. If she, if she actually did view that for real, like, right. and thought that to herself, she will be looking for a way to lift herself up somehow. And that often, yeah, it's easier to probably, you know, look for my failures, like you said. And, and that's not a, you know, like a strong mutual relationship that's going to offer any kind of friendship or equality there to where I could ever confide in her or she and me. Why would you confide in her? So friends, do you, you hear what we're saying? This is the punchline. Thanks for sticking with us for an hour and 10 minutes, but here's what we're trying to say. You if you, especially if you're a woman, I think in general, you can't have good friendships unless you live in a non-hierarchical world. 
or at least it, see your see your friends ideologically, as right? Yes. If you if you see the intrinsic value and the equality of all at that deep level, obviously we have differences in skills. If you don't have a world of mutuality and equality and love, and and essentially. I mean, because think about it, though, like, think about this, (laughs) the beauty of what each individual person brings to any situation, she's going to be way better at me than a lot of stuff. Right. One of them being helping her guy back up the trailer. She backed up her own truck. She dialed that in perfectly, right? Yes. She could teach us She obviously has a lot of strength. If she had the self-presence and the confidence to not hate you then we could learn from her and she can learn from us. Right. That's what a friend can do. Right. And there and likewise, I can't imagine that she's having great sex. Right. She may think she's having great sex. And dear listener, you might think you're having great sex. And I'm not trying to like make you sad. I'm trying to help you be happy. And I want to say that whether you're thinking that you're like the boss or whether you're the dutiful servant to the boss who is your spouse or whatever, your partner, um, I suspect that you don't necessarily know what you're missing right. if you continue to live in a world of domination and hierarchy. Right. Now, hierarchy for many people in their, in their religious community is part of the ideology. You'll have to work that out. But I want to just put this to you right now. I want to say it one more time. Do you want to have good sex? <laughs> now, there is a guy who kind of said something similar, and it was John Stuart Mill. I don't agree with everything he's up to ethically in terms of his approach to ethics. He's a consequentialist. I'm a fan of um, uh, virtue theory. But John Stuart Mill said, uh, well, he wrote a book called On Feminism. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, do, do I like feminism? And you really, and, and the answer is no, you hate it. If you are more conservative politically, go read John Stuart Mill. He is the founder of basically libertarian values. He's like a libertarian guy. And his version of feminism is to say, you're not going to put quotas in. You're not going to force women, for instance, to be in roles that they're not interested in, or it's too dangerous for them because of their physical build. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Maybe they shouldn't be in certain kinds of uh, late 19th century combat, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they're capable, there should be no restriction saying that a woman can't do this thing if she can do the thing, okay? So right. that's, it's a very libertarian kind of uh, feminism. But in that book, one of the things I thought was really interesting, he says, um, many of you men who disagree with me, go home and ask your wives, do you want to be equal? And they say no. Mm. And there's two things going on. Yes. What do you think is going on? Well, first of all, couple things. One would be, depending on your religious tradition, you would think like, oh, that's not the way that um, maybe that God has designed it. Yes. So maybe somehow it might be sinful. Okay. Right. That could be. The other thing can be, as especially I know, for me at least, as a woman and being raised in definitely, you know, in a, in a world where that hierarchy is, is very present. Like my, my mom, like my dad would even, um, if she has to go anywhere or any road trips or whatever, my mom would never go on a road trip on her own. And she really wouldn't be allowed. My dad would go right. with her to make sure that she's safe. Right? right. And they, I guess it drives my dad crazy sometimes to no end that I would be willing to go by myself or with one of our young children at the time. Right. They right. would feel better because I had 
boy children yeah. <laughs> that at least, at least like that was who I was being, um, accompanied by, yeah. Yeah, you right, know, right. but I'm just saying, I know that it's scary to think you've been like raised. And your dad was in law enforcement, so he knows the right. bad things that can happen. So, so I, get I that. will say that, um, when you're told that all of a sudden, like, Oh, do I, does that mean I need to be like an equal breadwinner? Did I have access to yeah. the education and training that my male uh, partner say right. for my example, like you had, right? If you have to earn as much money as me or like, it's, right. pull, well, you didn't a pull have... a certain like financial weight, but yeah. what I, so the thing that that's what I am trying to say is that we're not all equipped with equal abilities for all sorts of reasons. Right. right. And we, if we play to each other's strengths, right, it right. becomes less scary. So what are you right. hearing when you hear, would you like to be equal? Right. You know, are right. you do hearing... Do I have to do extra work? Right. Are you hearing work? now that all of a sudden... I'm not sufficient. I'm going to, you know, like, you're not going to do my laundry anymore. <laughs> right. You know, like, right. all these different, like, or maybe, you know... I don't, I don't know what it is that, you're, that all of a sudden your kids are going to go into daycare, you know, because <laughs> you're going to go out and try right. to, you and know, you don't want to do that. Work no, full time. you don't have to do that. It's a you're whole free. Different, it's a whole different But you're a free agent. You are, in, you are able to be an agent in your own life. But it's scary to think of you're moving from a place of being taken care of yes. to help, you know, mutually caring for each because other. Because now if things are crappy, it's you're, you're also, partly to blame. You're half, you're half to blame, mm-hmm. right? It it, is, at least, right? There is something very, very but think calming. Of how, and how scary it is for the, the males, though, yes, that have to carry that burden and live with that and, and forage their way or like, you know, like come... Yeah, forge their way. Yeah, yes, sorry, sorry. Yes, forging. We'll talk yeah, about another show. Yeah, yes, sorry. Forge their way all by themselves, carrying you know the I don't know like the big you know battle axe or whatever, right. and that everybody else is behind them and they're responsible Everybody's for suffering. the entire crew. That's a scary spot Somet- to be in. Sometimes the evangelical conservative Christian wife might have something to bring to the table to relieve the situation with her own strength and skills, but that strength is unseemly in certain cultures. Right. So she doesn't help where she could. The man might be getting weakened by this burden that he can't cover, and then he feels crappy. They don't feel sexy at all. But do you know, I wanted to say, though, that the thing that that, uh, John Stuart Mill, though, points out about asking your wife about whether she likes her role in society Mm -hmm. is you can't know. That's true, too. If you're not equal, you can't trust them. And so here's what I'm saying. If you are a conservative Christian man who is, who is demanding a hierarchical role in your family and that your wife is submissive to you in a hap, you know, you know, in like the traditionalist kind of a very there's, literal, there's no way. choice in the matter. Yes. And this is you're exactly the boss how and she's, yeah. This so is... if you're doing this, how could you ever know if she's having good sex? You wouldn't. And if you don't care and if your wife's having good sex, could she even know? Herself. And she couldn't necessarily know, but she's not going to be able to tell you. And she's not in a position to actually ask herself the question. But even if she knew, she's not going to be able to tell you. So I'm telling you that for the sake of your sex life, you should come around to our way of thinking of love, peace, harmony, equality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Non-domination. Right. Like you don't want it. You're like, that's not, that's not the way to. All right. Can I, can I speak to you through your sex drive? Do you want at the, the level of the deepest part of your heart to be able to actually know how your wife is doing, dude? If you want to know how your wife is doing, you cannot ever know if you demand that she is your servant. 
Right. You cannot know. And I would argue, and Stacy, I don't argue, Stacy came up with it. You're not having good sex and you may not have ever had it. So if you want to have mind-blowing 10 times better than you've had sex, mm-hmm. you might have to change your way of thinking, pal. Maybe, yeah. And if you, if, well, I'll say you this, love your spouse... If you're currently not having great sex right At least now, try it. Why not? Right? Some people are like, have <laughs> you tried try. yeah. Have you tried this kind of kink? Have you tried that? How about just try equality? Yeah. See how that works. Try mutuality. And this is why I mentioned our friend Eric down the way here. Eric turned out to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Good guy. And we, uh, he came into town, and it's kind of hard for him to get his rig up here. And then he realized he didn't have the adventure, the discovery. Yeah, he's pass. basically fleeing he's areas fleeing. where there's been fires. And then there's another fire that comes. So he's going so, and, all the and way he's, up. He's got a little PTSD with fires, obviously, because yeah. his house burned down originally. His house burned down, and then he just got kicked out of two a, different two camping different situations camp because of the smoke the, started coming. Yeah, because of the fires that were going on in, we in Northern California we didn't and Central know this Oregon. Because we're so out of right now as we're recording, we can't even get any Wi-Fi, so we didn't really know this stuff was going on. So he's just like, "Where can I go? Yeah. Wait, they're calling some of this area almost like rainforest, right? But he, yeah, it's." <laughs> we're, it's good. We're so, in, yep. There can't be a fire there. It's his, what's his mindset, right? That, that This is like my last place where I can maybe just start to feel comfortable for a little while yeah. and rest easy. But there was something really beautiful about our relationship in the last couple of days. And that is we went into town because we weren't getting any solar. So we wanted to get some ice so that we could... Save some ice of the up my in our oysters because I, I, I don't want I don't want to hurt them you know any more than I already have to by eating them and they don't have feelings but anyway the um the uh the thing was though we got him an adventure pass it only cost thirty two bucks discovery pass 30, 35, you know so that he didn't have to drive all the way into Forks forty minutes away or whatever it turns out there was close or something but I don't think they necessarily have it he. Needed this pass. We got on the pass, and it just felt so good to give him the pass. It, like we well, didn't want to give him charity or anything. We also know, like he's running out of uh, welfare at the end of the month. If you're technically, if you're technically supposed to have a pass and you don't, and it, it is and a maybe long, you can't afford drive, it, and maybe you can't afford it, then there's there's a, a restful sleep that you can't fully. You're not ever legitimate. You're a bastard get, in right. the scene. You might be moved along, and, you're and, and he has spent hours trying to dial in where his solar right. panels are trying to maximize all this if he had to like if he was a forced ranger comes in and to pack up and, out, and get it you know gives him a 250 dollar get the fine i think it's 99 dollars but right, anyway but still get the fine you have to move your rig and find somewhere Unsettling. else to sleep right because he has a whole little thing in order to keep his refrigerator going and all right. this stuff he has a whole setup so right. he doesn't want to just like randomly in the middle yeah. of nowhere go right. there because he feels like you probably can't fully move no. his setup. Like, no, no, he's, he's in a good out. spot. We give him this $30 pass and we realize, and this is really important to all everybody, like, so it made us feel good, but it also put us in a position of superiority in a certain spiritual sense. Right. Or it could have. And so it was really beautiful. Then he came over and he brought us some, some stones, so, yeah. different crystals that he had found in the water. So pick one. We ended up taking three. <laughs> and he also gave us Later on, a little water. Uh, it's like ice, ice packs. It's like it's not ice packs, but it's like kind of like that. It's like that stuff that you know that you it can freeze really easily without like it's just. So, so then last night being in the Ziploc baggies of ice that we create or something because we're not getting enough solar to keep our fridge going throughout the day because we're in this beautiful old growth forest and it's middle of the day and it's shaded. Um, we 
were able last night to save my seafood because you pulled out of the freezer this thing. This ice pack. This thing. ice pack that he gave us that maybe cost him three bucks. And they're like, He's a caterer. And they're super flexible so they, they go stuck nicely it, lay it stuck right it on top on, of Stuck things. it on all the food yeah. or, or vegan mayonnaise or whatever you got in there and in the in the cooler. Mm-hmm. With the ice. And it preserved it. our stuff. Yeah. And so in a way, he saved us. He really did. He saved us $30 of produce. More than, well, it's more than that because it's like all that. the other like term. sauces and things like that that we have. It's it kind of gets expensive. We have so to rebuy friends, all your stuff that goes bad. Like your yes. you know, when you start all oh, over. Oh no, with and your it's just I hate and, waste. Yeah. I hate waste. But the the key it doesn't matter that he did, mm-hmm. and even if it was just those rocks, you need that mutuality. Mm-hmm. That that like it's important to have that like exchange. Not because it's transactional, but because it's mutual gift giving. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. And it doesn't have to be perfectly lining up, but in a, in a way, the only good camping friendships are between equals. The only good sexual relationships are between equals. If you want to live in a non-dominating world in general, it's also going to help your sex life. I hope that sells you on <laughs> goodness, truth, and beauty. I hope it sells you on waking up to a world that could be better than the world we've been in. And I'll say this, it's a heck of a lot more peaceful. So until next time, friends, peace upon peace. Uh, Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter no too much.